Welcome back to the Male Feminism Podcast with your host, Joshua Rojas. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you my thoughts on feminism. I also wanted to mention that I recently created a Discord server for you to join if you would like to be a part of the discussion for future episodes, feminism studies, or just any other type of intellectual talk. The link will be in the description below. Now let's get started. This is Editor Josh here. And I wanted to mention that the reason this episode is like cut in the middle of a conversation is because I started the recording after sometime after the conversation had started. Kind of wish I didn't, but oh well. But I really hope you guys enjoy this. I really enjoy the conversation and I hope you can learn a lot from it. Or like, can you... um... can this thing actually come to market? But many students, when they do their design projects, they uh, base them on their own experiences. And there's a lot of of women who are, uh, they they have internships and they have to wear safety clothing, either to go out on the floor, uh, the manufacturing floor, they need special shoes, like steel tip shoes or um, they need to wear a vest, like a reflective vest, so that you, you, know, you don't get run into by you know, the, um, the forklifts, or, uh, or you're putting your hands into a hood and doing chemical-like work in the hood. And over and over again, safety equipment doesn't fit. It just, it is not designed for small people. And that could be small men too, but of, you know, a lot of women, you know, the arms, the, the arms of that safety equipment going into the hood are just too long. And so you can't actually dump, you know, whatever, whatever those volatile chemicals are under the hood, you can't do it safely because the safety equipment is just so ill-fitting. Um, there, oh yeah, there's a lot of students who work in um, health settings or hospital settings. And again, the, the PPE is too big, you know, so it's, you know, your sleeves are flapping and it's like, no, I can't do my job. You know, so it's just like little things that, that has nothing to do with your mind. Like that is all about just overlooking um, solvable problems to make things better for women technicians, for women practitioners, for people in hospital settings. Um, you know, there was one woman who said I needed to wear a hard hat and I couldn't wear it with my ponytail. And so she needed her hair back because it was an industry setting, but then she put on her hard hat and her ponytail made the hard hat not fit. So just adjusting the straps and creating a spot for your ponytail, and it could be guys too who have ponytails, but it's just that, you know, she was doing it. You know, that's, that's a simple fix. It's not that it can't be done, but like, that makes life better, you know? So, and it it scales up from there. I mean, those are some of their design projects, but probably the most egregious is uh, crash test dummies that are not, um, that don't have women's bodies in mind. I mean, pretty much women are more likely to die in a car crash. They're more likely to have internal injuries uh, they're more likely to um, have pelvic bone, their pelvic bones get crushed because of this, the way the seatbelts are. Or even with the, the airbags, women were dying because the airbags were coming out too fast. So the thing is, these crash test dummies uh, are, they're based on 
an old an old model of men's bodies from about World War II, which actually doesn't really serve a lot of men now anyways, because so many people are, are just physically heavier, taller, bigger than they were during World War II. But, um, you know, seat belts that like cut at people's necks, um, also seat belts that cause miscarriages too, because if you're pregnant and that seat belt goes across your pregnant belly and you're in an accident, I mean, that really, it, I mean, it's just not tested for women. So, and that's not mandated. There's nothing, <laughs> there's no mandates to have testing. You know, they, they have female crash test dummies, but they're not, they're not situated for all different sizes that women are. And there's still, it's not a requirement. So it's like, this is just, this doesn't make any sense. This is just actively excluding whole varieties of people and women and making it acceptable for injury to happen. And that's just not, that's just not right. So part of it is getting people in to those jobs to have that recognition, but they have to know enough to be able to see, oh, this is a gendered issue of inequity. And that's, that's harder. That's harder to get people to see because sometimes you can have good intentions, but not see it. And you kind of have to be um, trained over and over again to really kind of see where, I mean, some of it's obvious and some of it's not as obvious. Um, you know, even just in terms of race, like with COVID right now, uh, that one of the things that you do, or, you know, as soon as they take you into the hospital, they put that pulse oximeter on your finger to see how much oxygen to try to gauge how much oxygen is in your blood. Well, it turns out that that's based on light and light has to penetrate skin. So you can imagine light skin is better red with the pulse oximeters than dark skin. So that means that people with dark skin are not diagnosed with low oxygen as readily because the pulse oximeter is not penetrating their skin the same way. If you're wearing finger... <laughs> If you're wearing fingernail polish, then that also blocks the reading of the pulse oximeter. So we're making diagnoses and trusting our medical technologies to, to read the oxygen levels when maybe they're not really as accurate as what we believe them to be. And you know that's a problem of testing. That's a problem of not having tested on enough kind, different kinds of people, different people wearing fingernail polish, people having darker skin than white people, um, different types of bodies. And so, you know, this is where attention to STEM and gender is, it's life, it can be life or death. And that's why it's just so important and so important to me. And especially in those classes where students, um, you know, students are really interested in trying to make change. That's a lot of great information. My next question, my next question was, what, what can males do to like help females? And like, not necessarily just like females helping females, but like males. But um, one of the things is like, you know, asking your female colleagues about what their problems are, both the obvious and the non-obvious, because, well, go figure, you're not going to know everything. But then also like, because you have that power as a male, you can uh, implement some of those things you told me about, such as like, um, what's it called? The one example about the hard hat and the ponytail mm -hmm. being able to make it applicable and because you have mm -hmm. that power you can speak up for them so i think that's right. really great yeah i mean i think 
gender advocacy, it, it's not just about women, it's about you know gender and people of difference and different from men. And so it's really important of, it's important to be a voice when you have that capability, but also important to listen and have humility. I mean, I think this is the thing over and over again. And I, I know there's like memes and all kinds of things about mansplaining. Uh, and I probably, there's nothing more, uh, just like roll your eyes about that kind of, that kind of attitude. So it's a very delicate balance of being like genuinely curious and well-intentioned and then speaking on behalf of someone. And so it's, you know, it's something you always have to gauge, um, but it's really, I think, important to talk and just talk to different people and really um, ask what their preferences are, ask what they're struggling with. And, you know, whether it's, it's race or gender or, you know, name your issue, you, you can't assume to know everything about, about those people you're trying to advocate for. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a dance, right? I mean, you have, it's, it's knowing when you do have power and need to speak out and also knowing when you need to step back and kind of clear the space for people to actually um, voice on their own. And it, it, it's both, it's both and. I, there's not, there's never like one solution, it's multiple solutions, but yeah, it, it's really important to have advocates at all different levels, you know? I, I, need, I, <laughs> I need my male colleagues and I need, people to be um, supportive of lots of different things. Um, but that doesn't mean I need them to speak for me or speak, you know, like take my voice away. Like that's when there's the problem, you know? Yeah, I understand like the, the relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. And I, also it's, I think, kind of owning your own privilege, whatever those privileges are, like never taking those privileges for granted, but also trying to share that privilege. I mean, to bring more people into it and not police it and protect it. Like that's, um, that's really important to keep knocking at those, uh, you know, all the little ways that, uh, that, men in general have privileges or white people in general, you know, and I, I, I know there's a lot of different situations, but still, you know, there's, it's, you have, you have to be aware all the time of what privileges are offered, just the unearned, unearned privileges that, that you have, no matter who you are. And it's harder. I think that's a lot harder for people to see. Yeah. So. yeah. so like, for example, um, when I was talk, when I said that I've uh, seen a few videos of like women in, ex- in STEM explaining their uh, experiences, I probably wouldn't have ever experienced that if I, no matter what field I go into. So, yeah, you know, and I think part of that too, is just believing women when they say, this thing is happening to me, or this, you know, this is a problem and not sort of explaining it away. 
um, you know, in the history of medicine class I'm teaching right now, that, that's a big thing. Like women's complaints are always framed that way as complaints, not actually, oh, this is a symptom. And this is a symptom of endometriosis, or I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of different things it could be, but you know, just sort of explaining it away as anxiety or explaining it away as it's in your head. And it's like, no, actually, this is a, this is affecting my life and I need to be taken seriously with this thing. Um, you know, so I think just believing women when they say things is, is important as well. And that seems so simple, but it's really just, it seems like obvious, but it doesn't happen all the time. So pretty interesting that's pretty interesting well in class again I'm sorry I keep talking about class but we one of the articles was talking about how if women take a a husband a son some sort of male with them into the doctor's office um they're more likely to be heard and so it's like ugh really like I you know I mean that's a problem that's a problem when you hear better because there's a man in the room even a young teenage like a teenager in the room who's a male is you know so that that just really kind of shows some of that invisible um privilege that is offered to men that women and again these are broad strokes it's not every situation but it, it happens often enough that it's a thing Pretty understandable, like the situation with like the privilege. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you would like to mention? Uh, I don't know. The thing, another thing that just popped into my head was about uh, kind of reimagining the way things are done. So like, uh, well, where you are, it doesn't snow. <laughs> where I live, it snows. Uh, and where the study that was done in Sweden, it snows, but they, they found that um, they would plow the streets that were the most busy. And that makes kind of sense, right? You plow the streets that more people are going to use. But then I don't even know how they got the idea, but they, they just, oh, there were a lot of people getting injured um, because women were pushing strollers and you know, trying to use the sidewalks and get across streets and they were getting hit by cars and and so they um, did a kind of experiment where they started plowing the side streets and the sidewalks first and injuries went down. So like, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, right? You wouldn't think, oh, we're gonna, you know, we need to plow the side streets, but by plowing the side streets, it prevented death and injury of women again and children. And so just sort of changing the, angle of a problem helps to see things in a different way. So, you know, another podcast you might like is 99% Invisible. There's some really good stories that uh, Roman Mars does about design, some about gender. There's a like the history of the sports bra is there. Um, there's a history of, um, oh gosh, it's a building in New York that had horrible wind shear problems. And it, it, well, you should listen to it, but the, the kicker is that 
it was a female architect, architecture student who figured out the problem. I mean, it was some major problems with this building. And they remembered it as a guy. Like they remembered that it was a guy that created, that solved that problem. And it, it wasn't, it was a woman and they interview her and everything. And it's so there's just, it's like that kind of stuff over and over where, it, you know, just not being taken seriously. And that it has consequences. There are serious costs to not listening. It seems so simple, like you said before, but it's really not. Yeah, and it just, I mean, at a certain level, it's just holding those values of really, like being present with people, listening and valuing them for who they are and not dismissing them because they're women or because of their sexuality or because of their race or, you know, what, however we wanna dismiss people, we do it all the time and we see it happen all the time. And, but it's just, there's serious consequences for that. And it, um, we're paying, we're paying the price for not being inclusive and diverse. Makes sense. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? I actually don't have any more questions. I've been <laughs> okay. a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, um, I don't know, you know, I, I spend a whole semester doing this in class. So we kind of parse out a lot of this. There's, uh, there's some good resources. There's a website called Gendered Innovations in Research. It's out of Stanford and it looks at ways to um, include gender within research processes that aren't just sort of add, add women and stir, you know, that you have to be a little bit more thoughtful about how you include gender. Uh, and you might want to take a look at that. It's, it, this is where the stuff about the crash test dummies is located. There is information about um, knee surgeries. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there, but it really kind of lays out how to include gender, not just as an added factor, but as a, a really like um, integrated into the studies themselves, because part of it, is also going, okay, well, woman, women is a really broad category. You know, it includes transgender people. It includes people who are not menstruating anymore. Like it's broad and, you know, men too. I mean, it's, it's really way more broad than we think it is. And there's a lot of things that affect that category of men. And it's not maybe as dimorphic as we pretend it is or as society kind of holds up that it is. So, you know, part of it is in these, in the creation of studies, are, are women and men kind of essentialized or are, are they understood they have multiple, um, multiple identities, what, you know, with race, class, um, illness, whatever, you know, pre uh, immunocom immunocompromised systems, whatever it is, like how, how is that relating to gender instead of just, oh, well, women are this way because that doesn't capture um, whole sets of experiences. So that's, that's a real issue that people haven't um, grappled with enough, I think, in, in research as well. That's pretty interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, you should definitely take in, in post it or whatever with your, your podcast as well, the Gendered Innovations website, yeah. 
That'd be pretty cool. I'd definitely do that. Yeah, <laughs> good. Anything else you want to mention? I don't know. I've given you a little sampler, I think, of a lot of different things. I'm happy to answer more questions afterwards if you uh, think of something that you want to right. pose to me. That's cool. That's cool. I'll definitely do that. Okay. <laughs> but for right now, I ran out of all the questions. You've answered okay. all of them. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see um, how things go when you go to college and what you start studying, because I think you'll probably have more questions and yeah. um, have a lot more ways to address those questions with just library resources and other professors and other students around you. So, yeah. That'd be cool. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was nice talking to you. Let me know how it goes. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. I will. And let me know when this is posted too. I like to post that on my Tumblr site. Okay. So. Cool. Okay. Uh, okay. Take care. You too. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Have a good one. episode will be coming out every two weeks unless I explicitly say so so see you guys then thanks again for tuning into the podcast and listening if you enjoy this content make sure to give it a review so others could possibly find out about the podcast if you would like to see some other content or would like to join the discussion on anything you would like to talk about make sure to join the discord server posted in the description see you next time